Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the brand new Las Vegas Raiders. This is the Raiders Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Raiders Wire editor Marcus Mosher. For the forum, but apparently everybody's all over the country. I'd much rather be looking everybody in the face and uh, do do our best here, though, to convey what's going on. Um, today, today we waived Damon Arnett. Um, very painful decision. We spent significant time, effort, and resources trying to help him in all facets of his life. There have been a series of bad decisions over the last year or so, but we can't stand, we cannot stand for the video of Damon with a gun threatening to take a life. The content was unacceptable. Contrary to our values, and our owner, Mark Davis, has been very clear and very consistent that this is not how we will conduct ourselves in this community. The bottom line, the Raiders will not tolerate this type of behavior. All right, and that's where we're going to kick things off this week, Marcus, the latest player to be in hot water uh, for the Raiders, I guess we can say. And um, this one is Damon Arnett. He, uh, he posted a TikTok video of himself threatening to kill someone, wielding firearms. Not a good look for him. And uh, the franchise is... They've had a rough month, to say the least, but what's your leadoff take on this thing? Oh, my goodness, Ryan. The Raiders, they just can't stay out of the news. Nope. We we can take this a couple different directions. So first and foremost, it's another first-round pick that the Raiders have released in the last week. They had five picks inside of the top 100 in the 2020 draft, which was just a year ago, and only one is left, and that's Brian Edwards. All the other guys are gone. They, they cut Tanner Muse before he even played the game. They cut Lynn Bowden before he played in the game, and obviously they released uh, they released Henry Ruggs earlier last week. But it, it's just it's really unfortunate that John Gruden's draft class and Mike Mayock's draft class has completely flamed out in the NFL. And you know that was supposed to be a draft that changed the culture and made this team a winning franchise, and it's actually done quite the opposite. So two players that are drafted in the first round. From the front to the middle. Like top 20 picks? Top yeah, 20. two top 20 picks. Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, both released from the team, from, from the Raiders. They lose two first-round picks from 2020. That's just crazy. It's like, where do you go from here, right, if you're the Raiders? It's like, how do you how do you rebound from that as an organization? I'm not sure, but I, we should talk about Ruggs and Arnett because their situations are very different. Right. Ruggs on the field was a productive player, and he was an important part of their offense. Um, obviously that ended up being a miss because of one awful night for, for Henry Ruggs. But the Damon Arnett thing is way worse because not only was he struggling with this maturity stuff, we saw a report from Ian Rappaport where he crashed four rent-a-cars in, in, in a single month. Uh, he was dealing with, yeah, he was dealing with maturity stuff, but he was just also not a good football player. Teams had a perfect pass rating when targeting David Arnett in 13 games in his career for the Raiders. I mean, just not a good player on top of some, you know, serious maturity issues. So it's just a, I don't know where they go. They're, they, they're lacking talent at certain spots. Uh, they were really banking on rugs and Arnett to, to kind of improve their overall talent level. And now they don't have either. Well, they do bring in Deshaun Jackson, right? That's uh, I guess that was the good news that Mike Mayock announced it as yeah. a surprise conference call with the media here on Monday. Uh, so Deshaun Watson, cut by the Rams, clears waivers. 
And uh, we talked about him last week, Marcus. You liked him. You thought he was a perfect fit to fill that Rex <clears throat> role in the offense. I'm wondering, like, how you feel about it now, now that he's actually on the Raiders. And it, it's interesting that the Raiders went out and got that guy and, and didn't wait around on the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff, right? We were, that thing is still kind of playing out. But the Raiders, yep. they didn't wait around for OBJ. You could kind of argue maybe that Odell Beckham is a more complete kind of receiver than Deshaun Jackson. But the Raiders went out and got their guy. Yeah, I just think Jackson makes way more sense in this offense it's because the Raiders don't need a number one receiver that requires double-digit targets a game. They have Darren Waller who does that. Right? He's the guy that the offense has kind of run through. What they need is somebody to make one or two big plays down the field and stretch the defense. And I know Deshaun Jackson's like 34 years old, but he can absolutely still do that. He's going to be a part-time player in this offense. The offense isn't going to dramatically change now that he's signed. He's the perfect midseason acquisition uh, that the, the Raiders needed. Okay, so all this stuff's going on with Damon Arnett, I'm, and it's not like this happened today. This is all happening no. last week, Marcus, as well as the Henry Rugg stuff, right? So we talked on Tuesday. A lot has come out since we talked last on Henry Ruggs with you know, how intoxicated he was, how fast he was driving, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and then he was released from the team, obviously, like you said. So that was just like an unbelievably difficult week for the Raiders and their organization to kind of focus on a football game. And, you know, I watched Derek Carr's presser afterwards. Cause I think Derek Carr, he has a way of striking the right tone. I think on, on you yeah. know, his messages at the, at the mic. And I, we can get your thoughts on something he said about rugs later if we want. But first of all, one thing that Carr said after the game was that the rugs fallout, the crash, the arrest, the release, it had nothing to do with their loss to the giants. And I just, it had to, it had to, I mean, <laughs> How much sleep did the Raiders get? When you think about oh, it, like this story breaks early Tuesday morning. Typically, players are off on Tuesdays, right? So they spend that day absorbing everything like the rest of us. Then you're practicing on Wednesday, and all those details are coming out about the rugs thing. And he's like one of your teammates, your brothers, and all that. And then, oh, by the way, you have to go all the way to the East Coast to play at 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. against the Giants. <laughs> so it's like there's no way that didn't affect the team. That had a huge uh, – when, you, when you're judging them on this game against the Giants – that played a huge role in it, right? It, it had to. Yeah, and the Arnett story broke early on Saturday morning. Right. But yeah. listen, I think Carr is right that the game wasn't decided because of the Henry Rugg stuff. Like they had their chances, right? Daniel Carlson missed a 25-yard field goal that would have put them within one. Uh, they had the ball down there in the red zone at the end of the game, you know, within you know inside the 10-yard line, the chance to tie it. So like they had their opportunities to win that game. But you can understand why they might not have been completely focused uh, like they were in other weeks. It, it happens. You can't just show up and win games in the NFL. That doesn't happen. I think Carr's saying the right things, but you'd be naive to, to assume that that wasn't a factor at all. And Derek Carr, I mean, we've been giving him a lot of credit for being a leader and kind of carrying the team through all this adversity. And I think, yes, that's, that's fair. We should be doing that. But he didn't have a good game, right? I mean, nope. that pick six to start the second half was a bad decision. Horrible throw, and it turned the game, right? I mean, first of all, he threw another the bad fumble. one. Oh, yeah. The, the fumble at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, you at that point, you're just holding the ball too long. Just throw it away and lead the fight another down. You can't hold the ball that long. He didn't play a good game. He had three turnovers. They lost because they need him to be an A-plus quarterback to win these games, and he wasn't. And I think he'll admit that. I think he even said that in his post-game press conference. So it's fair to criticize Carr despite how good he's been this season. Yeah, he wasn't good. Um, he, he had that bad interception to Zay Jones, too, right, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that last play, that strip sack, 
that you keep bringing up, Marcus. So obviously this is a, this is the play, right? Yep. Colton Miller gets flat out torched by a rookie that the Giants picked in the sixth round, right on the edge, and then Carr gets strip sacked, and Josh Jacobs. I don't know if you see this. Go back and watch this. If you're he does. He tries like, to pick up the ball rather yeah. than just diving up. He yep. had leaked out to the flat, eyes in the backfield, first one to see the ball on the turf, and he tried – exactly, Marcus. He tried to scoop it up at full speed. So, Josh Jacobs, just jump on the ball. So, I mean, this is just a bad rep by so many people on a, yep. in, a, in a big spot. Well, I thought that play spoke volumes. And if Josh Jacobs knows the rules in that situation, when you're in the fourth quarter, you can't advance the ball anyways on a fumble. So there's absolutely no benefit of trying to pick it up on the run. Just fall on and live to fight another day. But that's just not what they did here. Okay, so we're speaking for the first time since a lot of these um, the reports of what happened with Ruggs, the fact that he was driving 156 miles per hour and was mm-hmm. hammered. Something went wrong here for Ruggs. Like, he's out past 3 a.m., drinking way too much, driving at insane mm-hmm. speeds with his girlfriend in the car. So, like, something went wrong for Henry Rugg in his life over like that day or the previous few hours mm-hmm. or, or something like, right? Like that was not the actions of someone who was going out for a joyride and made a mistake. Like this was something like, this is beyond reckless. Like this is something that something happened to Henry Ruggs. I, maybe that'll come out. I don't know, but I, you can seriously, I'm wondering what yeah. that story is. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll learn more about it, but I think a lot of athletes have a, a tendency to think that they're invincible yeah. and that they're Superman, right? Yeah. For 22-year-old Henry Ruggs, he kind of has been, right? He's been faster than everybody else he's ever played against. He's starting to have a lot of success with the Raiders, you know, developing into his num- a number one receiver. So you kind of start feeling yourself a little bit, like you're the man and that nobody can stop you. So let's go out and have a good time and party on a, was it a, 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 Monday, a Monday, night. Night. Monday night? I don't have, they don't have practice the next day. So why not go out and enjoy yourself? So. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to learn more, but I, that, I think that is certainly uh, you know, a habit that superstar athletes fall into. All right, we're going to move on here, but Derek Carr, there was some mixed reactions to his comments that came out right after, on, I think on that Wednesday, where I'm yep. paraphrasing, but he said, you know, he needs people to love him, and I will. Uh, what do you think about that, Marcus? I, I, you know, I, I kind of know what he meant, and it didn't bother yep. me at all, and I'm kind of, I, like I said, I, I like hearing what Derek Carr has to say after these, <laughs> in these crisis points when there's a lot of crisis points with the Raiders right now and I, I kind of like Derek Carr's message a lot of time and what do you think about this one from him yeah I think there's a lot of people obviously you know piling on to Henry Ruggs and for good reason right now so I think Carr decided to take a high road here decided to be a good leader and you know I think a lot of his teammates were really upset about the whole thing they were visibly shaken about their teammate and what happened that night so I think you know, Carr just expressing that he still loves him, that he cares about him. I think that's just kind of what a good leader does. I think he, that endeared him to the rest of the team. All right. Well, the Raiders are, you know, miss all of this stuff, are trying to play football. And they're, we're now hmm. in the middle of a football season, Marcus, where the Raiders are right in the thick of things of a crazy AFC. So here at the midpoint, I thought it'd be fun to kind of reset that whole picture, see where the Raiders fall in it. Uh, we'll do that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays as we approach the playoff push. It hasn't been pretty since week one for Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence in his debut season. 
but he has a chance for redemption against the Indianapolis Colts in Week 10. Yes, he has no more than one passing touchdown in each game since Week 1, and his weapons are suspect, but the Colts' offense is doing enough to force him into a pass-happy script. The Colts have given up huge numbers to quarterbacks in 2021, including a league-high 23 touchdown passes. Last week, even the Jets were able to shred this group through the air. Only one team has yielded more fantasy points per game, and this is the third-best opponent to face for yardage. Playing Lawrence is risky, but the matchup is brilliant. Washington football team running back J.D. McKissick versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the ground, this matchup is awful. Both teams return from their bye, but a common byproduct of being such a stout run defense is a team usually gives up serious volume to pass-catching backs. In the last five weeks, this defense ranks fifth in receptions allowed per game to the position. A dozen teams have yielded more aerial yards per game in that time frame, and three touchdowns over the last 29 receptions faced by running backs makes a pretty compelling case to play McKissick. He's a sound RB2 in PPR this week. Wide receiver Russell Gage, Atlanta Falcons at Dallas Cowboys. Only 11 teams have given up more catches per game than the Cowboys to wide receivers in the last five weeks, and this is the third highest rate for touchdowns against by the position. Dallas's offense is poised to rebound after what we saw last week, which should promote more passing by Atlanta. The matchup profiles for a stronger day by Gage than it does for tight end Kyle Pitts, and while Atlanta's de facto wide receiver one is risky business and fantasy, he is coming off an eight-target game and has scored at least 13.4 PPR points in two of his last three outings. Don't expect a huge day, but there's definite wide receiver three utility here in PPR scoring. Minnesota Vikings tight end Tyler Conklin at Los Angeles Chargers. He's a fine fantasy play in Week 10, as the Bolts have given up the third most yards per game to tight ends, 77, since Week 4 on the 18th most catches. A touchdown every 9.5 receptions sits as the 10th highest frequency against. One caveat here, the health of Los Angeles cornerbacks. In the past few weeks, injuries have enabled opposing wide receivers to have some fun against this defense that's otherwise strong against the position, and Minnesota has obviously very capable wideouts on the outside. That could work against Conklin. However, it also enables him to draw single coverage and roam freely. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Marcus, let's uh, reset the AFC playoff picture, right? This could be fun. The team on top has to be the Titans, right? They're 7-2, and two, won five straight since losing to the Jets, and they've beaten the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams in the last four. So, And even with Derrick Henry out, right? They, I think they made kind of a, a statement, and they rolled the Rams. Right behind them is the Ravens. They're 6-2, and two, but you know how I feel about the Ravens, right? I mean, they had a miracle win over the Lions. <laughs> Carson Wentz gift wrapped them one. They trailed the Vikings yep. twenty four to ten. I'm not a big believer in the Ravens, but who do you got at the top of the AFC right now? Do you think the Titans are the team? So first and foremost, I want to say I saw a graphic on Twitter the other day uh, about the AFC playoff picture. It just said in the hunt, and they listed every team in the AFC <laughs> every because team. that is ex- that's exactly how it is right now. There's like what is it, twelve teams with four more wins right now. It's absolutely ridiculous. The best team in the conference, I don't think we know yet. I, I, I know that's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I don't think it's the Titans. The Titans won a game on Sunday Night Football where they had like 150 passing yards. And they just – it was more about the Rams not playing well than the Titans dominating. So I, I know they have the best record. I don't really believe in them. 
I share the same concerns about the Ravens that you do. Like the defense is not good. Like they they can't stop anybody in the secondary. They seem like they're losing guys left and right. My gut is to say it's probably still the Bills, probably. But don't count out your Patriots, Ryan. I I, I really like the look of this team. There's oh, something no. about them that I, I really guess. like. Oh, you're killing me. Okay, first of all, the Bills are a team that I've just I've been I've been saying they're the top team in the AFC all along, and now they're dead to me because they ruined my survivor pool. <laughs> uh, I, I cannot believe they lost to the Jags and only scored six points. I, I, I will never. Disgusting. I could watch those highlights a hundred times and still not believe it. I'm still waiting for them to come back because I, I I don't believe that they're going to actually lose to the Jaguars. I, I just, don't believe. It. I just believe that you know they got caught up in the thing where they just didn't take them seriously and they're in this weird stretch where it's dolphins jags jets you know, just thought they show up and win right yep. yep and they're not that team they're not that nope. team yet they haven't they haven't won anything since the you know really since the merger right they haven't won anything of significance <laughs> the bills they should <laughs> not be your patron like side coming out and yeah. talking about yeah. the bills is it yeah so the bills they're still leading the afc east but marcus as you said they're five and three and the pats somehow are five and four and now i have to invest see i'm upset that i have to <laughs> I was just blissfully watching the season, not caring what happened, Marcus, like no expectations. Now I have to invest. So now the craziness in me is kind of come out every Sunday. All right, I'm going to make a case for a really off-the-wall team. If you had to put all the teams in the AFC and you said, okay, what team has the greatest strength right now? Is it the Steelers' defense? I don't believe in Ben Roethlisberger at all. Not a single iota. But their defense is really, really good, and it's going to keep them in every single game. Are we sure the Steelers aren't like a top two or three team in the AFC once again? Uh, we were high on that. We were high on them preseason, and then I was about to jump off ship when they had that bad start. But yeah, you're right. They win. They win against the Bears here on Monday night, and man, look out they for play the, the Lions next week. Yeah, look out, look out. So this is all to say that there's a bunch of these teams that are in here. The Chargers are one of them. Yep. Right now, they'd be the three seed. They're five and three. The I Raiders, don't trust them at all. Okay, okay, I don't trust the Chargers at all. So the Raiders, five and three. Ahead of the Steelers and the Patriots for now. Key stretch coming up, right? They got KC, Cincy, and Dallas. So this is going to be the stretch that kind of makes or breaks this whole yep. season, right, Marcus? You you agree with that? Yeah, if they can go 2-1, and one, and with one of those wins being against, you know, let's say Kansas City, I think they're going to be fine. I, I really do. I think this is a team that still has an unbelievable pass rush. We saw that on Sunday against the Giants. I still think Derek Carr's a really good quarterback. They do still have weapons on offense. All they have to do is go two and one in the stretch, and even one and two if they can get you know win against Kansas City, I think they'll be okay. So, I still think they're sitting in a good spot. All right. Well, we mentioned the Steelers and the Pats. Here's the teams outside of the playoffs, and a bunch of them are five and four right now. The Chiefs, uh, and I want to get. I'm going to wait on that. I'm going to get your take on what's going on with the Chiefs here in a minute. The Browns are five and four, most unpredictable team in football. Right. Every time you write them off, they crush somebody. Every time you believe in them, they lose. Bengals. So much for that, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're still a year away. Yep. Broncos? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely I'm out, not. I'm out no. on the Broncos. Colts? We'll see. I think they could be a sleeper. They could be a sleeper. We'll see about the Colts. But we'll the, see. the team that is kind of like mind, the most mind-boggling is the Chiefs, right? Because there's something kind of wrong with Pat Mahomes, and you were tweeting about this. What's going on with Pat Mahomes? Didn't you call him like you said you can't even recognize the player right now? No, and since week three, the only quarterbacks that are averaging fewer yards per attempt than Patrick Mahomes are Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold. Like, that's how bad Patrick Mahomes has been Unreal. over the last two months. And the defense, I think, is playing better, but they still have a couple huge holes. They can't run the ball. 
Travis Kelsey kind of looks like he just lost it overnight. I know he had a decent game on Sunday, but that offense just isn't scary at all. The Raiders, I know they're playing the Chiefs here on Sunday night, and we'll get to it, but this Chiefs team is certainly not as intimidating as we're used to seeing. I agree, and I have a take on that game. We'll do that coming up next. But that brings us to like the AFC West, Marcus, right? Like All four teams <laughs> tied in the win column through nine weeks. Have you ever seen anything like that? They all have five wins. No, it's incredible. I, I mean, I think it does show you that all four teams are at least competent, uh, but there's no one team that just stands out among those. I, I, the Broncos aren't going to win the division. I feel confident saying that. But the other three teams, I could easily see them you know, hosting a playoff game here in two months. Yeah, and it could be the Raiders. And I think at one point you did say you think the Chargers probably had the best chance to win the division, and that's who Tipico has right now. That's their favorite. <laughs> so who would you pick right now? Do you think the Chargers are still have the edge? No, because I was not impressed by what I saw against the Eagles uh, on Sunday. They could not stop the run at all. This continues to be a big problem. Uh, the pass defense is getting worse. It's probably the Chiefs, but man, I don't feel good about that at all. I was going to say, it's either the Chiefs or the Raiders then, and we'll get Marcus's pick here in our third segment when we talk about that matchup and make a pick against the spread, right? We're going to find out how you feel yep. about both teams. Let's do that coming up next. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday Night Football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chiefs favored minus 2.5. Their money line is minus 145, so Raiders are plus 120 to win that game outright. The total's 51.5. I'm on the Raiders, plus 2.5. I think we get some value after they had an absolutely pathetic performance at the New York Giants last week, and I don't think enough is being made of the struggles of the Kansas City offense and the mediocrity or just terribleness of their defense. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? See, I'm on the under. The public is on the over. The cash is on the under. I got Chiefs and Raiders both 15th and 16th in points per game. I'm going under 52 and a half. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Marcus. uh, um, On my Tipico app, I see the Raiders are two and a half point underdogs at home against the Chiefs. And I want to get your take on this line. But first of all, I've been cashing on Kansas City underdogs for like a month. I've actually been profiting on this. Titans, Giants, Packers. All three of those teams were underdogs against the Chiefs, and they all cashed. If you bet the just bet the mm-hmm. underdog, Kansas City, I saw it going into that game when they got blown out by the Bills, I, and I bet the Bills in that game too, the money line. I was like, this isn't the same Chiefs team. There's something wrong. They're giving up nope. a ton of points on defense, and oh, by the way, they're not, they don't look great on offense either. So I've been fading the Chiefs for a while, and it's been very profitable. And I'm wondering, like, it's kind of like playing blackjack at Vegas when you have a hot shoe, right? You just want to keep riding it out. Like you keep putting yep. your money out there. You're not going to stop when the shoe is hot. Right now, fading the Kansas City Chiefs is hot. So my gut instinct based on that, Marcus, is, is to take the points for the Raiders at home. But that's not factoring in everything that's going on with the Raiders, right? Yep. Behind the scenes. The Raiders are going through a bleep storm right now. But that's just, if I'm playing out the shoe, 
I want my my gut instinct is just to take the points and keep fading the Chiefs. But what's your what's your leadoff on that? Yeah, the Chiefs are three eighteen and one in their last twenty two games against the spread. Wow, that is absolutely wow. incredible. Wish I caught onto this earlier. Yeah, and now they are home or excuse me, they're road favorites on Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas. I can tell you one thing: that crowd is going to be incredibly loud for that game. The winner of this game is going to be a great position to steal the AFC West. Listen, I, I, I'm not saying the Raiders are going to win this game, but man, they're getting points at home. That's a that's a great bet here. If you're betting the game, you you have to go with the Raiders, right? I mean, how do you? Yes. And and because I think if you're betting the Chiefs, you're just doing it blindly because you think it's the Chiefs, and you just think. And the and I think the public continues to do that. That's why we keep seeing these spreads. The public continues to bet the Chiefs mm-hmm. like they're the Chiefs. When something's not right, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Like, and and here's the thing: teams are just very clearly forcing Mahomes to pass it short. Right? They're taking away yep. the and he won't ball. do it. Yeah, and he, and he's having a really hard time. And the Packers didn't they put on a masterclass on that Sunday, Marcus? They just deep safeties take away the deep part, make Mahomes beat you short. He just doesn't want to do it when he's holding the football and run around like that. He, he's screwed. Well, so it, can it, the Raiders the, do that? Right? Can the Raiders replicate that? And here's the thing with the Raiders. They're just the sneaky bad matchup for the Chiefs. Even last year, when the Chiefs were playing really well, the Raiders beat them in Kansas City. And in fact, they should have beat them at home last year. They were leading in that game with just a minute left. I just think this is a bad matchup for the Chiefs. I do think the Raiders should have a lot of success against Mahomes in this game. Yeah, I tend to to lean that way. And just brings us to the question, can the Raiders, with a full week of practice back home, try to focus on football after all this crap can they get their mindset back on football and making a run because i think this past week the loss of the giants i, I don't give a i don't give full credit to the giants for that win i just think yeah. that you have to factor in what the raiders are going through a week later is that soon enough for them to turn the page and kind of get right and push forward i don't know that's that's the part that i can't predict um what do you I, think about I, that? I don't know either but I do think the addition to, of Deshaun Jackson is going to help this yeah. team a lot. They really were missing somebody that can stretch the field. And it's not like the Chiefs have great cornerbacks. It would not be surprising at all if Deshaun Jackson made an impact play or two in this game. So I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Me too. It's going to be fun. And uh, the Chiefs are, are giving up a ton of points, Marcus. But not this past week, right? They've 13 to 6 against the Packers. You know, and I, again, this line, 51 and a half. It's it's pretty high for a Chiefs game right now. They're just not they're not really scoring a lot of points. Yeah, you know the Raiders are going to want to run the ball too. They're yeah. going to want to shorten this game, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball. We saw Josh Jacobs last week against the Giants, who have a much better run defense, have a lot of success. He looks really healthy. I do think the Raiders are getting a little better in that area. So this feels like a game that's going to be a lot. You know, a, a, there's going to be long drives. The Raiders are going to force Mahomes to just kind of play dink and dunk football. I think that over is pretty high. All right, I like it. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to continue to fade the Chiefs. So that I, I like that part of the podcast, Marcus. You explained that. I did not like the part where you picking the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. I did not like. Well, that I don't part. Know, I'm not saying to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying <laughs> they've got that look of a team that I don't want to play. If I'm, you know, if I'm the Bills and I get, you know, I, I, I win the AFC East, and all of a sudden in the first round the New England Patriots are coming down. That seems like an awful matchup for Buffalo. Yeah, it, it does seem like whoever ends up number two, the two seed, whether it's the Bills, Ravens, Titans, 
this number seven seed is going to be like a problem, right? Like it could be the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. It could be the Chiefs. It could be one of these other teams, like the Browns playing pretty well. You know what I mean? Like, well, the NFC, get, yeah, you the NFC it's the opposite, right? Like if you are the seven seed in the NFC, that could be Atlanta. That could be Carolina. It might even be the Giants. Like you absolutely want to be the two seed in the NFC. Not so much the case in the AFC. Yeah, the AFC super deep and mediocre. The NFC super top heavy and like elite, right? You got the elite yep. teams up there. So going to be fun to see how this all plays out. We have another half of football to play. Second half of the season. What do the Raiders have in them? We'll find out. Uh, for Marcus, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.